You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Welcome back to the Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com Weekly Wrap-Up. Friday, June the 11th, 2021. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us this week is a return visit from Paul Wong. Paul is a market strategist at Sprott Inc., so we're going to get into some of the kind of the big picture stuff today. And that's very important because I know a lot of this minute day-to-day stuff can really shake you off if you watch it too closely. we got to keep our eye on the big picture. And that's what Paul does. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Craig. Hey, before we get started, I'd like to do this every week because there's all this great content that Sprout Money puts out, whether it's these weekly wrap-ups, the monthly projections with Christopher Mueller and the Ask the Expert segment, all of that, other great writers that get that post information at Sprout Money. Look, it, you throw us a bone, throw them a bone. Uh, you know, they, they do put this out there for you. So be sure to visit SproutMoney.com. And with summer right around the corner, why not treat yourself during the Sprout Money spring into summer sale? Hey, how about that? I know it's summer where I live. And uh, Paul was just telling me it's summer where he lives too. From June the 7th through June the 28th, and wild quantities last. You can take advantage of some great summer prices. Check out the featured products at SproutMoney.com, and you can buy them directly online. But if you want to talk to a human being, maybe kind of go over things in more detail, maybe try to find an option as to where you store your precious metal, you can always just pick up the phone, give Sprout Money a call, 888-861-0775. Sprout Inc., though, is where the investment action happens, and Paul, as a market strategist, uh, is all over that. Uh, you can find his work at the Sprott uh, website. He's got a great monthly uh, highlights letter that he puts out. The most recent one, Paul, you talked about strong tailwinds for the precious metals. Uh, yesterday, some pretty extraordinary uh, CPI data. I mean, even the watered-down CPI, Paul, geez, Louise, uh, are now 5% annualized. About those tailwinds. Um, how has that picture changed even in the, just the last few days? Well, Craig, uh, yes. So my monthly commentary, I, I guess uh, there's, there's four factors that are, that are you know, driving gold, supporting gold, and likely to push it you know, higher into the future. Uh, U.S. dollar, uh, real rates, uh, M2 growth, and as you mentioned, inflation. So we'll just touch a bit on, bit on inflation so right now, inflation is running hotter than expected. So the numbers came in a little bit uh, higher than expected. Uh, the um, the month-over-month increases is still it's a bit eye-catching. Still, uh, this month uh, it was uh, 0.7. Uh, April was 0.9, and those are probably two of the highest back-to-back months, probably oof, probably in about 30 years, maybe. Yeah, and the. Uh, I guess why it stands out is okay. If you go year over year, okay, you, you get the big base effect. So a year ago, you know, pretty much U.S. economy was shut down. Everything was pretty much ground down to a halt. So this year versus last year, all numbers are going to look extraordinarily good. Uh, but the month over month, you know, you, you shouldn't have any of that kind of base effect because you're, you're just looking, you know, you know, April over March, March over February, mm-hmm. and those numbers are quite high. And the, I guess the, uh, you know, is it simply just, you know, okay, the economy restarting all at once, you know, huge supply-demand bottlenecks that, that need to be reconciled and everything comes back down? Or is there something more sustainable 
uh, going forward. And that's the problem. Like the, um, if you look at the long history of forecasting inflation, it's, it's really poor. Uh, whether you're talking about market participants, economists, it doesn't matter. Um, if you look at any forward expectations numbers, and then you go, and you, in the, and then you take it and you look at uh, what what inflation actually realized. Yeah, the, the numbers are to be you know to be blunt are, are terrible. Like the, the numbers are all over the map. So you have you have a data series that that's incredibly important to the market, has huge implications for valuations, um, you know, PE multiples, discount rates, et cetera. But at the same time, it's you, you, you have a you know, really difficult time trying to forecast that. And then you throw in the effects of COVID on top of that. Yeah. So what normally is, you know, exceptionally hard to forecast is becomes even more difficult. So that's the problem. The problem you have now is that, okay, what if I'm right? What if I'm wrong? Okay, what if, you know, okay, the Fed says it's transitory, and I think the consensus most economists you read is, okay, okay, it's it's transitory. I guess the first question you have to ask yourself is, A, what does even transitory mean? Are, are we talking months, quarter, a year, maybe more? Yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, okay, inflation itself may be transitory, but the capital market may not, reaction may not be transitory. And that's, part of a bigger story that I, I tried to touch on in, in the article. So for the last, you know, 10 years or so decade, uh, you know, you, the, you've been sort of in this, you know, I, I call it the, you know, the Goldilocks lowflation type world, right? You know, very modest growth, very little inflation. And so it's been going on for a number of years. And, and again, there's, a, you know, I, I wrote in the article how, you know, all these different fund strategies, you know, they, they latch on to this overriding macro theme. And over the years, they they amplify it. They, you know, they put bigger positions on, they leverage it up, et cetera, et cetera. And so now we reach the point now where, okay, well, m- maybe that may not work. Maybe it's changing. Maybe, you know, maybe, we, maybe we're going through this regime change. Like for the last 10 years, everything that we thought, you know, the market was going to do all of a sudden gets turned on its head. And, and the market goes through these these macro changes, seems like every 10 years. So, you know, 10 years ago this time, back in 2011, the big overriding investment theme for that, you know, prior decade was, you know, the, the China-led commodity boom. And it was fantastic. That was, you know, probably some of the greatest commodity markets ever, you know, uh, the from what I can tell, like, like very limited data, but it's probably the best since the 1950s, post World War II reconstruction. Before that, you know, at the end of 2000, you know, you, you had the tech, you know, the technology boom. So mm-hmm. for the 1990s, you know, the big technology wave, you know, birth of the internet, technology-driven productivity gains. You know, you, you absolutely, you that was major cause of the big multiple expansion you saw in the marketplace. And that ended in a spectacular manner, with, you know, with the big technology crash. But you know, again, every ten years you go through these big changes, macro changes. At the beginning, you know, I remember every cycle quite clearly. It's always okay. You know, is it happening? Is it not happening? And then through time, you know, a few years it evolves and it becomes clearer and clearer. But the one thing that that stands out every time is that if you're not positioned 
correctly for the big macro change and you may and you hold on to the prior regime winning strategy typically it tends to be the worst performing strategy because typically that that whole shift in, in the whole shift in macro regime it, it's literally it goes from day to night and if you're positioned incorrectly you know you, you you can get hit hard pretty hard so I wrote, you know, that's that's kind of why, you know, gold is is such an, you know, is it's a, such a key asset. So if you're running a a, you know, like a multi-asset portfolio, and you know, gold all of a sudden starts to, you know, it starts to make a lot of sense. Okay, if I'm heading towards inflationary time, you know, bond yields are probably, you know, bond market's not going to do too well. The report, you know, I just showed that since you know late 2015, you know, gold's been outperforming bonds at, you know, about a I believe about over eight percent annualized compound hmm. since then, but it but in inflationary time it adds something unique. It gives you inflation protection. Again, this is the, this is the challenging part. Okay, so uh, when inflation takes off, I mean you, you don't really know what level of inflation you're talking about. You're, are you talking two to three percent, three to four, four to five? Yeah, um, that's the challenge because as you creep higher and higher. You know the downside risk becomes greater and greater, and again, it's it's not a linear progression. Like I mean, I, it, it's not like okay, well, if I go to two to three, that's not that bad. If I go to three to four, you know, that's that's just a little bit more. But it's not. It's 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 not a linear progression. The risk amplifies from that point. So I, I'll give you a case example. Let's let's say I don't know. Let's let's uh, six months down the road, nine months, twelve months down the road, all of a sudden, you know, inflation's fully ingrained, and this is it's just awful. And the Fed has to slam on the brakes. It has no choice. Okay, they reach the end of the, you know, they try to let it run as much as they can, give it as much leeway as they can, but they realize, okay, we got a problem. And decide they slam on the brakes really hard. The problem this cycle versus any prior cycle, it's again, it's that, it's that debt to GDP ratio. You're, you're, right. you're sitting around, you know, 130 <clears throat> percent debt to GDP. So you're in a very, very leveraged environment. And so, you know, you, you don't have to be a macro strategist to figure what's going to happen. It's like it's like any other business where you're over leveraged and all of a sudden your revenues, you know, start hemming, coming down hard. You're, you're caught in a trap. And so with that, you know, all of a sudden your know, risk comes into the portfolio very, very quickly, um, especially tail type risk. So, you know, if I'm running with that kind of you know, debt to GEP ratio, that kind of leverage in the financial system, you, you kind of, you know, the probability of a financial stress event will happen. I mean, you know, it may not happen in the U.S. It, it may, you know, it'll, my guess is it'll probably happen in the emerging markets first. But, you know, but it always bleeds back. There's always, there's always that contagion effect. It, you know, mm-hmm. it's been around for, for decades now because global economies are intertwined. Markets are more intertwined than ever been. And so all of a sudden you have this tail risk event. And that's the advantage of gold. So, when inflation goes high into you know moderate high level, okay, you get some inflation production. But when it gets really high, then you start to tack on not just inflation protection but tail risk protection as well. And in terms of hyperinflation, uh, I, again, I, we're not calling for that. We don't know what's going to happen, but it's a risk, right? I mean, it, again, it's it's all about you know risk management and portfolio. You, in a hyperinflation world, yeah, there's, there's very little that gives you that kind of protection compared to gold. Because quantities will do well in a moderate inflation world, but when it goes hyper and you throw in uh, financial stress events, quantities tend to get crushed. Before we get to that point, do you 
do you sense this move in the last 12 months? I mean, again, I, I mean, a lot of it's unsustainable. Iron ore, lumber, soybeans. I mean, you just go down the list. Um, but do you sense this is just a coming out of COVID commodity surge and thus transitory? Or, or is it another one of these t- decade-type shifts into a more secular commodity bull market until you know we get some other event? Not quite certain. That's that's again. That's the problem. Right? Million dollar but, question. That's the million dollar question. You know, but it's not a binary question. It doesn't have to be a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. It can it can actually. I I believe that it will become a yes, but not you know. But it won't happen overnight. It's a progression towards yes. How's that? I mean, that's kind yeah. of a wishy washy answer. But but that's typically how it works in every cycle. It's it's never clear. Uh, right now we have you have ample evidence that, okay, inflation will be transitory, and you have ample evidence that, okay, maybe it's not, a, it may not be transitory. But I think from a marketing positioning point of view, I think most funds are, they're, they're just not built to handle an inflation transition because of the prior 10 years I mentioned earlier, you know, all this layering on of, you know, these long-duration assets, expectations of low growth, low yields, low inflation, low everything. And all of a sudden, you switch literally overnight. Yeah, it's it's going to be dramatic, and uh, you know there's lots of reasons. To, you know, COVID I think is is the great, you know, it's the great um, obfuscator of of that data. Mm-hmm. But the transition right now is already occurring. I mean, I mean, I mean, in what, less than a year and a half now, you know, you had five trillion dollars of, of fiscal stimulus added to the U.S. economy. And that's without any tax increases. There's more coming. There's more coming. The infrastructure plan, the you know, the American Families Plan, that will have associated taxes. But five trillion dollars has already been added. And just to give a rough estimate, before COVID, I think U.S. GDP was probably around 21.5 trillion. So five over 21. That's that's quite a bit. That's like that's almost a quarter. That's the biggest spending wave, literally ever. And so, and that itself. Okay, is that inflationary? Okay, by itself, it may or may not be inflationary, but when you add in the monetary side, you know, the Fed basically launches what they call average inflationary target. So basically, they're, yeah. Yeah. they are literally saying we are going to engineer inflation. They want inflation. I mean, you know, it's the old curse, maybe you get what you wish for, but they are actively, you know, trying to generate inflation, you know, because they, they want it to overshoot. Medium term, you know, they just say, okay, we want inflation. We want it north of two. So, you know, you know what's that mean? Okay, two and a half percent for how many years? Like, probably more than a year, less than five. You know, like you're talking about range. Again, the Fed doesn't actually state what the numbers are. You know, they actually don't give you, you know, a lot of reasons or a lot, sorry, a lot of numbers as to, you know, what they're looking for. It's it's more of a, a you know, qualitative assessment. But they want inflation at the same time. You know they launched a zero interest rate policy. So if you're trying to generate two to two and a half percent inflation, your rates at zero. Yeah, you have negative rates at two to two and a half percent, and that's why the U.S. dollar is under pressure. That's why real mm-hmm. rates are staying low. Mm-hmm. That's why gold is doing well. That's all part and parcel. So you know you cannot have high real rates if you're running. 130% debt to GDP, you, you need to basically, you need to, you're trying to debase it, right? And the whole process is literally, it's it's through inflation by 
target inflation, keeping interest rates at zero, create negative real rates, deep negative real rates, and stick it there. Make it stay for a number of years to erode it. And that's the reason why the dollar will will, have to go down. Right, which then benefits the commodity trade, but is also inflationary. Um, And, and, you know, I'm sure you saw the latest, uh, the whole budget uh, projections going out the next eight years that the Biden administration put out. All of them had negative real interest rates built into all their projections. So it's clearly where we're headed. And we know that's a quite the uh, significant correlation with gold prices long term. Um, Paul, in in our final couple of minutes, just if you don't mind putting on your Karnak hat and uh, looking ahead, because next week is going to be all about the FOMC meeting that begins on Tuesday, wraps up Wednesday with what I call the Fed lines at 2 o'clock Eastern, and then Chairman Powell will have his press conference at 2.30, again, this coming Wednesday, uh, the 16th. As you look ahead, yeah, you want to kind of, like I said, play Karnak and tell you what you think. Uh, tell us what you think he might say and what might come out of that, if anything. Well, I, I guess uh, everyone's looking for, um, you know, this is weird, but yeah, they're looking for the talk about talking about tapering. Yeah, and that's kind of where we are. Basically, it's it's this this odd recursory function we have going in the marketplace. You know, we're not even talking about tapering. We're, we're talking about talking about tapering. Everyone's trying to front-run the Fed into figuring out what they're going to do and move ahead of time. But for gold, you know, that the trade action you saw back in Q1, you know, we already saw that. That that you know, gold took the brunt. You know, that there was a tapering trade that was actually put on uh, in the bond market and the euro dollar market, and uh, that that trade is actually over. That the tapering trade is actually for gold especially has already come and gone. I, I think it's already it's already been discounted. If it's not you know, not fully discounted, it's been majority discounted. And I think I wrote at the end of one commentary, I think the end of March was well they, they fully discounted tapering. What they have not f- discounted at all is inflation. And of course I think a few weeks later you had that really hot inflation print. And then gold does you know, it it moves up dramatically in a, you know, in a very very tight trade range up to you know 1900 and that's funds positioning the, the same funds that were you know shorting selling gold for tapering they switched around they were buying it for the whole yep. inflationary theme so what to look for the fed I, I, again the, you, the mark the market itself is fixated on the whole tapering notion but for gold i think a lot of that has already been discounted so i would take you know any signs that okay the, the Fed is going to taper as, you know, I would take it with a big grain of salt, knowing pretty, you know, pretty confident that, you know, the market has discounted a lot of that already in, yeah. in the bullion when it went down to 1670. I think the market, again, has not fully anticipated whether, you know, inflation is it truly transitory or not. And, by the way, what level of inflation is it transitory? I mean, I mean right. is that 2% transitory is Two percent transitory, four percent right. transitory. That part gets left you, you, out. You get, that, you get that silly notion, but so you know, just take away from all that. M two is expanding right now. Right now, the the the, the, the three month annualized rate of change in M two. The latest data point I think is only the first week in April. So that the latest um, you know 
$2.9 trillion spending that was announced December and March. It's starting to make its way through M2. So right now, on an annualized, three-month annualized rate of change basis, M2 is running at 20%. So that's twice the rate of the great financial crisis, just a bit below the COVID, you know, March COVID um, to 20 growth rates. So M2 is going to be exploding in the next little while. Real rates are suppressed and chances are hitting lower. Uh, U.S. dollar, I highlighted in one of my monthly commentaries, it, it, it's probably going to break lower. And once that happens, yep. you know, the market comes to, you know, an acknowledgement, okay, yeah, the, the Fed's serious about this whole inflation targeting and zero interest rates. And, yeah, it's it's going to, this is, this is, this is how you, you know, this is how the process works. It's, it is a debasement. It is inflationary debasement of the debt. And that's how it, how it goes. And, and then gold gets another re-rate, I think, at that point. Sounds like a pretty good stew for long-term precious metals investors, that's for sure. And um, a lot of us that listen to these calls every week, that's what we are. So I want to thank you, Paul. Great stuff. Again, Paul Wong, market strategist at Sprott, Inc. Guy's got his fingers on the pulse of that big macro, big picture, which continues to support the precious metals. And hey, again... Don't forget, if you're looking for physical precious metal, anytime you're in the market, Sprott Money has got to be a site you want to check. And if you like this sort of information, please help us get the word out. If you're listening on a podcast platform or on YouTube or any place, please subscribe, maybe like uh, the content, and that will help us cast an even wider distribution net for to wake people up and get them aware of what's actually going on. Paul Wong, thank you so much for your time today. Great. Thank you, Craig. Have a great one. And from all of us at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.